Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Fire Pit with Caleb and Evan. We are in the second week of January, of the second week of 2021. Uh, it's been a weird year already, and I feel like we've kind of almost got stuck in a rut mm. already. Like, it feels like 2020 just kind of extended a little bit. And we just kind of got stuck there and we can see 2021, but we're like trying to move, move through like quicksand. Mm. Do you or, feel like that at all? Or like, 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 just like a thick, it's like, it's like walking through like a humid air. Like you don't really feel like you're going anywhere quickly. Yeah. So the, the, the better things that we're aiming towards is still kind of out in front of us and we're, we're not getting there as quickly as we'd like to. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. We're not getting there as quickly as we would like to. And, you know, I think that there are there are probably times when I've felt this way before, but maybe when I was younger. Like, I'm sure that I felt stuck when I had a crush on someone and it wasn't going anywhere. And mm. I'm just, like, secretly pining for my crush and nothing's happening. And I'm just looking forward to what it could be. Um, and it wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. Have you ever been so stuck that you do things that don't make sense? Are you just Are you just describing my life, Evan? Oh, I, I mean, I was describing my life. <laughs> I I had a crush on a girl, and I decided this was when phones like texting first started to be a thing. Yes, T nine. Mm hmm. And um, I decided that I was going to text her that how I felt about her. Ooh. Right. Um, and I I was you know as a kid I wasn't super out there i was a little bit shy but my best friend was like bro do it do it you got to do it you got to text her so i i worked up the courage i had her phone number in my phone and i texted her it wasn't a long text you know it was hey i kind of like you i'm just wondering if you feel the same hit send and i was nervous for 45 minutes afterwards oh uh, until i realized something what i texted her home phone <laughs> home phone number okay they don't get text messages for those who don't know what a home phone is it's plugged into your wall and there ain't no screen that's how stuck i was they're not they're not even plugged into your wall anymore no, Evan. yeah no, but they're... they used to be and there was no screen so did you ever actually text her no no you gave up you're like I, I, I... I gave up on that i did hold the crush and we did end up talking that was like my freshman or sophomore year of high school uh, we did end up talking in 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 my senior year, but it it never turned into anything. Ah, uh, we are now both happily married to different spouses. Well, there you go. There you go. That situation, like I, I feel that, like I've <laughs> I've done things like that before, but it kind of reminds me, like those times when uh, even with a crush or when I wanted to maybe um, make the soccer team or different aspects. I had a goal in mind, but I had no clue how I was going to get there. Oh, yeah. None at all. My brain was like, this is good. And I'm just kind of stuck like, well, how do I do it? Yeah. Um, you know that scene from The Incredibles when that little boy is just sitting at the end of The Incredibles driveway on his tricycle and he's just staring yeah. and they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> and he goes, I don't know. I'm looking for something amazing, I guess. Yeah. He doesn't even know what he wants. Right. And then the house explodes in a fiery ball kind of thing. That was awesome! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, like, I remember this 
the book the littlest prince okay um the little prince not the littlest prince just the little prince he wasn't uh, the smallest but he was still pretty small right the little prince there's a quote in it that says a goal without a plan is just a wish <sighs> that's good stuff caleb it is good stuff we got to think antoine de saint exupéry that's who, close enough who knows if that's how you pronounce his name it seems it's it's a tough French name. French, yes. Yeah. Um, but he wrote that quote, and I'm like, ooh, that's good. I feel that. Yeah, a goal without a plan is just a wish. How many times have I made this goal in my mind, and then I just kind of sit back like, okay, God, let's make it happen. Yeah. And then it's like, what... What do you mean? Let's let's make it happen. I feel like even God kind of goes, "Hey, um, you're you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna have to do something about about that." Yeah, yeah. Like it's not enough to just have a goal. That's just wishful thinking. Yeah, and not have a way to kind of fulfill it, act mm. on it. And you know, there are different areas where I'm sure that. You are more talented than I am, especially like when it comes to music. Eh. What I'm, do you I'm, mean? Eh. I'm better than some. I'm worse than others. It oh, is. but you, you're definitely better than me when it comes to music. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you be the judge of that. Evan, you just listen to music and know how to play it. <laughs> Give or take. But yeah, yeah. In that, in that case, I am, I am pretty talented, right? I, I never really had to work extremely hard to be good at music. Although I did put in effort in, in many times, but. I mean, sure. I'll say I'm talented. <laughs> there you go. A little bit humble, too. I try. <laughs> but, like, even with music, it wasn't enough for you to one day just say, I'm going to be good at music. Mm. Like, you had to come up with a plan in order to make things happen, even though you are naturally gifted and talented at it. Oh, definitely. It, music is it's it's really a skill. And learning how to play different instruments, you really have to have in mind where you want to go. And mm -hmm. for every instrument that I play, there's usually one or two artists that are kind of my goals. They're my role models. And I'm like, I want to play like that. And then that's where I kind of, I learn as I go and I, and I step into a different realm and I'm always pushing forward um, into something new. Yeah. And I would say that you, that's kind, kind of a combination of a, of a mental goal like learning something new mm -hmm. and and a physical goal, like trying a new activity or getting stronger, faster, or better at an activity. Yeah. Like that kind of thing. But there are other types of goals as well. We also have spiritual goals. Mm -hmm. Like I can say I have a goal to spend time with God more regularly. Mm -hmm. Or like a relational goal, like being a better friend or being kinder to my family. Yeah. Different things like that. But whether it's a spiritual goal, a mental goal, a physical goal, a relational goal, like they can be good goals, but without a plan, they're just wishful thinking. Yeah. So I, you, you and I have talked about this, but I had a goal that I was going to surprise my then girlfriend at the time by proposing. Yeah. Like, so my now fiance... I had planned and came up with this goal. Well, I had this goal in mind that I'm going to surprise her 
with the proposal. She's not going to see it coming. Yeah. But then I had to actually plan to make sure that happened. Yeah. Like, I had to come up with a schedule of events, a, like, idea of what I wanted that to look like in my head. I had to have other people help me. Because mm-hmm. it had to be something that seemed organic, seemed natural, didn't seem forced. She wouldn't see it coming. Yeah. And here's the thing. Um, I am not an artistically minded person. Mm. So I had to plan and sit with people who were great at that. Great at figuring out how the photo shoot would work best. Figuring out what the background would look like. Setting things up. And I had different resources and opportunities available to me, but I had to plan. And then I also needed God's help. um, Because I'm a horrible liar. Mm. Um, So I just had to kind of hope and pray that Brenda never asked me anything that caused me would, to need to lie. It, yeah. Um, I remember the the one time that I've lied to you, Evan. It was in a, it was in a game, and you immediately looked at me and everyone around us and went, "Ah, Caleb's lying." And I'm like, <laughs> "What do you mean? Do you remember what you said?" I don't. And you looked at me and you looked at everyone at the table and you said, "Caleb just looked disgusted at himself." <laughs> Which is why I know he is lying. I remember that. You, Yeah, you, that is true. I was. I lost <laughs> that game because you immediately knew I was lying because I'm a horrible liar. And so uh, I you, had to You rely. would not be very good at poker. Oh, oh, no. No, no. That's why I've never played <laughs> poker. That's also why I don't gamble. Like, yeah, I couldn't yeah. keep a straight face that's, well. That's a good reason. But, like, I talk about that story because... In order for me to achieve my goal, I had to have a plan. Yeah. I had to use the resources that were around me. I had to have my natural talents and my passions. And I had to have the help of other people. And I needed God's help. Yeah. it's A, a goal really takes more than just wishing about it. Mm-hmm. Right? You almost... It, and, I mean, that's a great quote. A goal without a plan is just a wish. It, it really isn't something that is, is, is a thing... I don't even know how to put it into words, but you can't grasp a goal if it doesn't have a plan. Yeah. I, I like that. I can't even put it into words better than that. <laughs> yep. But enough about me um, and enough about my proposal. Mm. We Last week, we started talking about a story from the Old Testament around the man Nehemiah. Nehemiah! Is no one pronounces the H in his name? I think it's important to make sure that there's. I'll stop. You think that's a? Should we pronounce it or is that a silent letter? I I I like. I mean, it's probably not supposed to be pronounced, but Nehemiah. Interesting. I think, it's, I think it's a great letter to pronounce. How would you pronounce my last name if you said the silent letter? Brandit. 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 Yeah, see, silent letters are important. Yeah, I don't have any silent letters in my name. What you see is what you get. Evan. Evan Reed. That would be funny if one of the E's in your last name was silent and it was actually Reed. Reed. Wait, what? That'd be, that, that would be interesting. <laughs> anyway. All right, Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Um, so about 140 years before the book of Nehemiah was written, the Jewish people had been conquered by an enemy army. They destroyed the city of Jerusalem burned the temple, and sent many Jewish people into exile. Pretty much a bad day. 
Yeah. 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 It was just Pretty a bad. bad. It was a bad day. It wasn't just a normal Monday. No. Um, but anyway, these people had been gone. They'd lost everything. And Nehemiah was passionate about seeing Jerusalem restored, but he saw a problem. Although some of God's people were living in Jerusalem, the city's walls were still in shambles. Mm. Like I, don't, they had... I don't know about you, but whenever I, as we started reading this, I had the, the idea, and I don't know if I mentioned it last week, but whenever you're living in a place that's messy, you never feel at peace. True. You know what I mean? So like, I can just imagine living in Jerusalem at this time and having the walls around you in shambles, because you know, walls being in shambles means that there's a wide gap around where the wall used to be that's just rubble and, and memories of the, the bad Monday that you had. That is not a fun place to live. Right. But it also, without walls, God's people were vulnerable to another attack. Very there was much. nothing protecting them. Oh, yeah. It wasn't just that it was messy and out of order. It was also that it was dangerous. Mm-hmm. And so they had that to deal with. But then they also had the spiritual problem of, like, if they left the walls in shambles, it kind of dishonored God because yeah. God had laid the plans for this city and for this temple. But if they rebuilt them, it would be a sign that these people were returning to God and choosing to be obedient again. Hmm. There's lots of problems that Nehemiah is facing. Oh, yeah. There are a whole lot of problems. And Nehemiah had a goal. He was passionate about it. But he also had a plan. Hmm. And Nehemiah chapter 1 verses 4 and then verses 11, it says this. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Mm. O Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayer of those who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me, because in those days I was the king's cupbearer. So there, there are three things that I notice in these verses. One... Nehemiah didn't ask God for step-by-step instructions. Yeah. Like, he knew that God wanted him to lead this charge and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, and that was enough. Like, he didn't say, I'll just sit here and wait for you to tell me what to do next. Like, he started planning. And even by the time he reached the end of his prayer, he was already working on his plan. Like, he asked God to help him be successful in what he was about to attempt. Yeah. I mean, you can almost hear it. Give your servant success today and grant him compassion. He's He already knows what he wants to do. He's just asking God for the opportunity to present his plan to the king. Yeah. And he even uses, and you can tell he's already planning and preparing because he says, I was cupbearer to the king. Hmm. Like that is helpful information for us to know, but I think it also has another purpose because it shows that Nehemiah was making note of the resources God had already given him. Yeah. Like, as cupbearer to the king, he had access and influence with the most powerful person in the kingdom. Yeah. And so Nehemiah not only prayed, he planned while he prayed. Yeah. And I, I think it's it's cool to think about, I think sometimes we can get stuck in this idea when I hear, you know, a student say, I'm just looking for God's call on my life. Well, Maybe God has already called you, but he's asking you to think through that calling and, and figure out how you're going to get there and make a plan and at least have the next step or the next two steps thought through and planned out. 
sometimes God doesn't give you the step-by-step. Right. But he trusts you and he's given you gifts and abilities and skills to think through what might my next steps be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we... I think Nehemiah does a good job showing that. Mm. And last week we talked about how Nehemiah, three months-ish after Nehemiah prayed this, he had he finally went to the king. So he took time to really plan things through in that time period. I like how it just says in verse 4, I mourned for, you know, just a number of days. Right. Three months in right. actuality. He was fasting and praying and, and, and planning. Right. It's a, it's not a short it's, period of it's, time. It's not like it was Monday to Friday and he had a plan. Right. And last week we talked about how Nehemiah had gone before the king and the king was like, why are you so sad? And Nehemiah was like, oh, my city is, you know, in ruins. Mm. I'm just sad because of that. And the king then asked, well, how can I help you? And it start Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 6. Well, verse end of verse 4 and then 5 says, With a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, If it pleases the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. The king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked, How long will you, will you be gone? When will you return? After I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. I also said to the king, If it please the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through their territories on my way to Judah. And please give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. I will need it to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress for the city walls, and for a house for myself. And the king granted these requests because of the gracious hand of God that was on me. When I came to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, I delivered the king's letter to them. The king, I should add, had sent along army officers and horsemen to protect me. Hmm. So, in these verses, I think that we see a lot of the planning that Nehemiah had been doing while he was praying. Oh, yeah. He didn't just come up with this on the spot. No, not at all. Like, the king asked Nehemiah why he looked so sad, and he had an answer prepared. Mm -hmm. Then the king asked what Nehemiah wanted, and he had a request prepared. Mm -hmm. And the king wanted to know how how long Nehemiah's journey would take, and he had a timeline prepared. Like, he had thought that through. And then since the king seemed pretty open to his idea, Nehemiah also had a list of requests prepared yeah and and it's notice that those those requests are bonus right? yeah the king didn't actually ask him well what else do you need he went actually i've thought through this and i would actually need you to give me these letters so i can pass through the land and get this required materials nehemiah had thought so much and planned so far that he knew exactly what he needed from the king beyond what even the king had thought he needed yeah Yeah, this was something that, I mean, the king, this had just been brought to his attention. And the king was obviously a very powerful and smart man. But he didn't have to prepare anything for this. It made it a very, actually, probably a very easy ask Mm -hmm. when Nehemiah was so well prepared. Yeah. And Nehemiah, throughout this entire process, continued to talk to God in prayer. It wasn't like he'd planned and then was done. Mm Mm-hmm. 
But he also didn't wait for God to do all of the work. Yeah. Like he used the strategic mind that God had given him to prepare while he was waiting for the right opportunity. Yeah. And because Nehemiah had prepared every detail, he hoped that he would get to speak to the king. And when God arranged that perfect moment, Nehemiah was fully prepared to take advantage of it. Yeah. Nehemiah, like, prepared while he planned. Mm. So he planned while he prayed, and then he prepared while he planned. And that, I think, shows us a pretty cool way that God wants us to be used by him. Yeah. It's it's not... God isn't going to do it for us. Right. But he does have plans and purposes for us to accomplish. And he's also equipped us with the mental capacity and the, the relationships to think through what it is that God has planned. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think I think about something, uh, it can be as simple as talking to someone about Jesus, right? That, that can be a goal. I want to talk more about who Jesus is. And you can prepare for that while you pray. God, give me the strength to do that. And you can pray about those kinds of things. But really what it comes down to is, you know, if I'm going to plan to do that, what do I say? What am I going to say to someone? Maybe before you actually say, you go, hey, did you know that Jesus loves you? Right. You know? And sometimes it takes those small steps. If God has called you to do something, you are going to have to think about, well, how am I going to get it done? Um, but even while you do that, you're praying. God, give me the strength to do it. God, help me do this. Create the opportunities for me to do it. Because there's a the thing, too. This opportunity presented itself perfectly. Yeah. And really, that, that's that's God's doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are certain aspects that we can plan for and we can prepare. And there are other aspects that are on God and God's timing. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a difference there. There's the difference between my plans and then God's plans. Yeah. Like, ultimately, I think God has plans that are great and wonderful and we get to be included in. That we, because we get to be included, we get to choose part of the direction that they will take. Mm -hmm. Going towards the goal that God has set up. Yeah. In those instances, we need to be prepared and consulting God and making sure that we are focused on him. Yeah. But then there are other plans that are my plans. Like making myself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I probably don't need to be praying for God and saying, okay, God, I'm just going to wait till you give me the right opportunity yeah. for this. Why? Because there's that's not God's plan. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's my plan. Mm-hmm. And granted, hopefully at this point in my life, I can make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Theoretically. And make it well. Yeah. But it's just that idea that sometimes we have to focus on, okay, if this is God's plan then God has equipped me and God will use me and I'm going to be prepared and ready for God's calling. Yeah. Versus my plan because I'm hungry. Yeah. So. Yeah, I agree. And I think Nehemiah knew fully well that this was not a plan he could accomplish on his own. And I think even even Nehemiah, although he planned, there were things that God still had his back on. Oh, yeah. Right? Like even, even at the very end of that in verse... Um, uh, eight, eight, nine, and ten. The king sent defenses with Nehemiah. Nehemiah didn't actually ask for that, right? Right. So even in Nehemiah's 
preparedness and his plannedness. There are still some things that maybe not necessarily that he forgot, but that he maybe may have overlooked. And, right? and God provided. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's also important that we don't limit God's plans based on our plans. Yeah. Like Nehemiah, I guess, could have said, no, I don't want these extra soldiers because that's your plan. That's not my plan. Yeah. But it's also like, why would you turn that down? Yeah. Obviously, God is providing for you in a way that will help you and that you didn't expect. Yeah. And then God continued to help Nehemiah. Mm-hmm. Like, Nehemiah is entering back into Jerusalem, a land that he's never been to. Mm-hmm. Like, a land that he did not grow up in because it's been 140 years. And he is entering this land knowing that he's going to make some enemies. Yeah. Part of the reason he asked for those letters and things is so that he would have the backing of the king. And all, that would offer some protection. It was almost like he was building a wall around God's plan yeah. to keep other things from attacking it. Mm-hmm. And so he arrives in the in Jerusalem and he still hasn't told anyone about what he's planning to do. Which is probably a good move. Yeah. It's a good move because there are there are people there that don't want to see this city rebuilt. There are people there that don't want to see God's plan come to fruition. Yeah. And so Nehemiah quietly in the middle of the night sneaks out, rides his donkey all around the city. He's like, "Oh look, the walls are down literally everywhere." Mm. And he's assessing he's assessing the damage. He's he's looking at well, what what do we need to do here? What do we need to do there? Looking at the different gates, and maybe what each gate needs to be built back up again. Mm-hmm. Like he's assessing. Yep. Because here's here's the thing too. He didn't know how much the walls had been destroyed. Right. He knew that they were in shambles, but for something like this, God said fix the walls. Mm-hmm. But in order to know what you need to fix the walls, you got to go look at them. Right. Um. So he's you know making counts, figuring out how much timber he's actually going to need and, and all that jazz. It's probably a good idea to keep it a little bit quiet because he, he doesn't quite have all the details yet. Right. In in verse 17 of chapter 2, Nehemiah said to them, the priests and nobles and other officials or and anyone else who was in the administration, he said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. Like he's already saying, you've seen the walls. You mm-hmm. know what trouble we're in. I, I just had to see them. He says, Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king. They replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab heard of our plan, they scoffed contemptuously. What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king, they asked? And I replied, the God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding this wall, but you have no share, legal right, or historic claim in Jerusalem. Mm. So a couple things here. One, he made sure that other people were involved in this plan. He gathered the leading people in Jerusalem and Mm -hmm. told them this plan told them that he had been given permission by the king Mm -hmm. so that everyone knew this was a legitimate thing. He had letters to prove it as well. Mm -hmm. And then, once he did that, then his enemies found out about it. 
Like, he didn't walk into the city going, I'm going to rebuild the wall. Like, everyone would have looked at him and been like, you have no power. You have no authority. What are you doing? Yeah. But because he had planned and knew how things were going to work and then went about them strategically, he got the entire leadership of Jerusalem on board. Yeah. Before his enemies even knew what was happening. Before his enemies even knew they were his enemies. Yeah. And he definitely gained a few enemies in the process. And that's part of it as well. Is when you're working on God-sized goals, that usually happens. Oh, yeah. Like, you're usually going to get a few enemies out of it. Yeah. And you, you, you almost have to expect that. Right? Yeah. And that, that's what Nehemiah did when, when he received the letters and when he was kind of searching the the area quietly under cover of darkness, right? He knew that the next step was going to cause some enemies to come up. Mm -hmm. And that happened, yeah, like you said, that happens with pretty much any God-sized goal. You're going to come up to people or situations that are going to try and stop you from achieving it. Yeah. And Nehemiah, and we need to as well with our God-sized goals, but Nehemiah planned for that opposition. Mm Mm-hmm. He wasn't surprised by it. Again, he'd spent a long time planning and thinking this through. Yeah. Like, God gave Nehemiah a huge task to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. But God also gave Nehemiah everything he needed to make it happen. Yeah. And Nehemiah had access to God through prayer. Mm-hmm. Which is the biggest thing you need in a God-sized goal is God. Yep. Makes sense. And then Nehemiah also had his God-given talents and abilities and his passions. Mm-hmm. I And keyword there, God-given. Like, God had specifically given him these abilities, talents, and passions for a reason. Yeah. And, and I think it's important to note, too, that it might not say it in the Scripture, but you know that Nehemiah honed those talents and gifts and skills, right? Mm-hmm. He didn't just become cupbearer willy-nilly. Right. Right, you wouldn't get that close to the king unless you practiced and worked hard and and showed your reliability as a human being. So Nehemiah took his God-given talents and worked on them. Yeah, and he took his God-given talents and built them into connections. Hmm. Um, like he had the resources, the opportunities, and connections because he had used what God had given him. Yeah. Like, because he used those talents and abilities and passions the way that God had given him in order to plan and prepare, like, he was ready. Mm-hmm. Like, if someone that if someone didn't have the backing of the king to try and get this done... It wouldn't have gotten done. It wouldn't have gotten done. Like, these enemies, they already said, are you rebelling against the king? Yeah. Because they're thinking, all right, if this guy's just on his own, we can squash him. Mm-hmm. But they don't want to go against the king, who at this point is the most powerful man in the world. Right. Right? It's one thing to fight a single man who has a dream or a wish, but it's another thing to fight a man who has a goal backed by the king. Yeah. Ooh. I don't, you didn't mean to do this, I'm sure. But that is also a perfect segue into Monday. Ooh. Because Monday is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Ooh. And a man who had a God-backed dream was a like the opposition that he fought against. Crazy thing. 
You just, like you just I said like that, that, and my mind went connection. I love it. But like, yeah, Nehemiah had this god-sized dream of rebuilding the walls. Martin Luther King Jr. had a god-sized dream that all men were created equal. Hmm. That regardless of the color of your skin, you are equal in God's eyes. You're valuable and, and worth the same as anyone else right. in God's eyes. Right. A lot of times we forget that Martin Luther King Jr. was also a, a pastor. He was a reverend. Yeah. We, we kind of leave that title off. Was he a doctor? Doctor, reverend, maybe? I'm not sure. He was a smart man. He was a smart man, um, but he uh, had the backing of the king of the universe yeah. for this goal. And that's a plan that's still not come to complete fruition. Yeah. But, like, it is a plan that he faced severe opposition towards. And we can see that when God's plans are trying to be met, they're always going to be met with opposition. People who are going to yeah. try and tear down, people are going to try and belittle, who are going to try and conserve their own power. I think it's important to note, too, that sometimes when we have goals and, and things come up against us, most of the time they're bigger than we are. Yeah. Right? Like, Nehemiah is fighting two different kings if you will yeah right that's bigger than nehemiah was oh but yeah they weren't bigger than the king that was backing nehemiah right and so same thing with kind of martin luther king jr right he he faced so much opposition mm -hmm. throughout his whole life that was much bigger than he was and and to be fair his movement even though it was huge still faced opposition that was even bigger than the movement itself oh yeah but because it was God-backed and because he, he understood who God was, there was no opposition that could stop him because no opposition is bigger than the God that was backing him. Right. And just like Nehemiah, Martin Luther King Jr. used his God-given ability to strategize and to plan. He was an intelligent man oh, yeah. to come up with ways that would cause the world to watch yeah because let's be real the idea of this peaceful protest that we understand because of martin Luther king jr like this we are facing opposition we are going to walk peacefully in the middle of people attacking us and violence happening and people like it just reminds me of like the sit-ins where African-Americans would sit at the counter as people would physically attack them, pour things on them. Mm. It was horrible, but it worked because of the attention it drew. Yeah. Like, he was strategic in knowing that if the world sees people that are not doing anything being attacked and brutalized, the world's going to pay attention. Yeah. So he used strategy and thinking. He used a lot of scripture. He did. And that's, that's the thing, too, is he was great. One of his God-given skills and gifts was he was able to articulate his ideas. Not mm -hmm. everyone can do that. But he also, I think he also knew that he had the ability to speak clearly and to convince people and to, to argue his points in a way that was um, wise. And, mm -hmm. and you can see that in, in his speeches. He was a wise man who led people um through difficult times oh yeah definitely and i think it's interesting that this 
podcast is actually going to be released on Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday, hmm. January 15th. That's wild. It is. Didn't plan that at all. We just kind of, you know, went with it. I'm I'm now recognizing how many similarities there are between Nehemiah and Martin Luther King. Because, like, if you think about it, Martin Luther King and Nehemiah were both older mm-hmm. when when their opposition kind of came to fruition. They both kind of stepped into it uh, kind of late in the game, if you will. Yeah. But they both achieved amazing things against some intense opposition. Right. And I think it's really interesting that the whole idea and the opposition and the challenge that Nehemiah was faced with, repairing the city, Hmm. building it to its full potential and beauty and grace, is contrasted and compared very well to the work that we still need to do as a society in repairing our nation, repairing mm. relationships, building and focusing on the beauty and the integrity and the worth yeah. of, of people. Of people. And just this idea that, yes, Nehemiah was rebuilding walls and Martin Luther King Jr. was rebuilding human relationships. And I, I human think it's relations. also important to point out that both of these have spiritual consequences oh yeah right for nehemiah and building a wall is is the goal that he had but it also refocused the israelites to god Mm -hmm. bringing back their attention to the land that god brought them to the faithfulness that god had been with them through um so many years of of difficulty but god had been with them and he had a plan for them and all those things martin luther king jr did the same thing in building you know, in, in refocusing the world to the value of human beings and especially the marginalized and the African-Americans and the, the, the those who seem different than the majority white people around, he, he was also bringing people's attention to, listen, these people have value. God created mm-hmm. them. All people are created equal. Yeah. Right? And so it's, it's building that around God. Again, it's a God-sized goal. Yeah. And I think this also points out that there are still many God-sized goals for us to accomplish today. Mm -hmm. There are many things that we still have to work on to make this world like how God intended his kingdom to be. Yeah. That are massive God-sized goals that we can all play a part in. Yeah. And we talked last week a little bit about Trying to ask God what we might be designed to do. Mm. And because, here's the thing, I know that God has big plans for all of us. God has big plans for everyone, and they're God-sized plans. And there are people, especially students, but also other people that could be listening, that have God-sized goals that they need to turn into a plan of action. Yeah. And God designed you, just like God designed Nehemiah, with everything you need to accomplish the goals that God put in your heart. Mm. And I think that each and every one of us have four things that can really help us fulfill those God-sized goals. The first one of those is that you've got you. Mm. I mean, we all have days when we feel insecure about who we are or what we can do, but God designed you with care intention and purpose 
And when God gives you a God-sized goal and you ask, what do I bring to the table? How can I contribute? Here's the thing. God has given you a mind that can think, that can plan, that can strategize. And God has given you a unique blend of skills, experiences, and knowledge. And God has given you interests and passion. I think some people often downplay their interests and passions when it comes to God's call. But really, God doesn't just call you into something he hasn't prepared you for. Right. He might call you into something that will grow you and challenge you, but he will also prepare you. And he's given you, like you said, the the ability to think and plan and strategize, but he's also given you interests and passions that will guide you into what he's called you to do, into that God-sized goal. Oh, yeah. You can never downplay what you love doing. Right. Yeah, because God has given you those interests and passions for a reason. Yeah. And it makes you a unique person to accomplish God's goals and plans. I, I think about it in, kind of in my own life, right? I've, I've stepped into this role as a, a high school director, but my passion and, and one of my interests is music, like you said. And really, no matter where I've gone and no matter what God has called me to do in the short term, he has always allowed me to use my musical gifts in service yeah. to him, no matter where I've gone. And it's opened doors for me that, otherwise wouldn't have been opened Mm -hmm. i don't know i think that's just really important to emphasize is even though you have you know god's given you the thinking and the planning and the skills and the experience never downplay what you love because god gave that to you too definitely and god gave you all of those things but god gave you here's the second thing god's given you number two (laughs) you held up four number two (laughs) god's given you others Mm. And like, just like Nehemiah discovered, most God-sized goals can't be achieved alone. Like, there's a lot we can accomplish on our own. Mm. But if we want to make lasting change, we're going to need other people. Like, when God gives you a God-sized goal, ask, who can I work with? Because you have friends and family. You have teachers, coaches, mentors, other trusted adults. You have access to knowledge from experts through books videos and the entirety of the internet which is wild to think about yeah yeah and you also have access to influential people who can make things happen either in person or online yeah and i think that's so important because you got to understand too that as humans we're limited Mm -hmm. but when you begin to bring other people in man the things that you can do are endless right right even back to the Martin Luther King Jr. connection, it wouldn't have been the same if he was the only one marching. Oh, yeah. It wouldn't have been the same if he was the only one that didn't ride the bus in Montgomery. Oh, yeah. Like, it worked because of the other people that he included in that plan. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's wild to think. I mean, whenever we talk about... Is February Black History Month? Yeah. That's what I thought. Whenever we talk about... We're going to look it up just yep. to be certain. But I think it's interesting. Whenever we go through Black History Month, I'm always amazed because there's always Martin Luther King Jr. and Rosa Parks, and you always get kind of those those names. But the, I always feel like I learn about someone new yeah. who was a part of that movement, who did something in their own neighborhood or in their own sphere of influence, who also incited yeah. um, other people to join in, in that uh, peaceful protest. I, I mean... There's so many people who are involved in that. Right. 
there are. There's so many different people that are included. And it causes the world to see. Because mm-hmm. let's be real. Um, the world looks at people and sees themselves in certain people. Yeah. We connect to causes and the stories when we see someone that's like us participating in it. Yeah. Like we need other people just than myself. Like if I was the only one in a God-sized plan, I might attract people that are very similar to me. Yeah. But that's leaving out a lot of people. Definitely. Now, you were just mentioning about learning about someone new. One of my favorite people that I learn about during Black History Month is um, Ruby Nell Bridges Hall. Okay. Who was the first African-American child to desegregate schools. Like the first child to cross that line and enter into a school with children that were not black. Wow. Just the fact that she was able to do that. One, other people, other children, Mm. other females, all were able to look at that. Mm -hmm. So never downplay someone else's role in God's plan just because they don't look like you, don't act like you, or don't have the same interests as you. Yeah. Because God uses everyone, even children in the middle of those eras, Yeah. for his purpose. It doesn't matter how old or young you are. I mean, that's, that's a theme in the entire Bible. God loves using the people who look different, who... Mm-hmm act different who seem like they don't fit in god loves using those people so like if you ever see someone like that and things are happening around them i would keep your eyes open oh yeah to what's going on because you never know what god is going to do through those people yeah I, I also think like i think about me and you in in the roles that we're in i come to you with my ideas all the time <laughs> And you have a lot of ideas. I have a lot of ideas. And I know that I'm not going to be able to accomplish all of my ideas, but I, I like bouncing them off of you because you ask questions that I wouldn't have thought about. Mm-hmm. You know, I bring them to other people. You, yeah. you have to include others in your God-sized goals. Oh, definitely. So we have you. We have others. The third thing that Number three. God has given you to help you fulfill these God-sized goals are things. Mm. And I mean, just like Nehemiah needed transportation, he needed wood, letters, and the king's blessing, you're probably going to need some things to help you accomplish your God-sized goals. Yeah. Like when God gives you a God-sized goal, ask, what do I need and where can I get it? Yeah. Because everyone's God-sized goals will need different things. Could be money, supplies, an audience, a location, a platform, an opportunity. Yeah. But God... Has to, God has equipped you to know what things you need. Yeah. Or he's equipped the others in your group to help you know what things you need. Yeah, definitely. Thing, things are, I mean, I think people sometimes take the quote, like the, the love of money is the root of all evil, a little out of context. Mm-hmm. Money is a tool. Right. If you love it, that's, you're clearly not doing something right. But money and things and objects can be a tool yeah. to do what God has set to set you to accomplish right definitely so we have you we have others we have things and then the fourth thing probably the most important thing definitely the most easily the most important thing is god in order to fulfill a god-sized goal you've got to have god Mm -hmm. and god is with you just like god was with nehemiah and like nehemiah god probably isn't going to give you step-by-step plans for achieving your god-sized goals 
But that's okay because you don't need one. Because you already have everything you need. And like Nehemiah, you are designed for God-sized goals. You've got the bricks that you need to build a wall. Hmm. Or you've got the tools that you need to tear them down, depending Hmm. on the situation. I like that. That was good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, So, what will you do? What will you build? What will you tear down that God has directed you towards? Maybe you need to write down what your God-sized goal is and yep. maybe start jotting down ideas or, or things that you need or people you can connect with. Or maybe you need to think about yourself. What has God given me? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you don't quite know what your God-sized goal is yet. Know yourself. Yeah. Know what God has equipped you with and your strengths and your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So there are definitely things that we can do to to prepare ourselves and to plan for the future, um, whether or not you have a massive once once in a lifetime God sized goal, or you're just trying to figure out what college to go to, or or what the next step is for your life. Yeah, yeah. Nehemiah didn't get his God sized goal till later on in life, mm-hmm. but just because he didn't have it didn't mean he wasn't preparing for it. Yeah. So, whew. That's good stuff, man. I'm I'm feeling convicted. Do you feel convicted? Because I'm feeling convicted so. right now. Very much so. You know it's a good lesson when you feel convicted after after talking about it. Yep. Now, just a disclaimer, if you've never seen Evan and I, uh we are we are white. We are very. So I would almost call myself pasty. <laughs> so please know that everything that we were talking about in return terms of race relations and everything like that comes from a white perspective mm-hmm. and from our own unique individual perspective. We are not meaning to offend anyone if that's how it came across in any sort of a means. Definitely. Um, but hopefully everyone can really dig into God's word, dig into Nehemiah, dig into God's plans, and then also dig into and focus on the passion and the goal that Martin Luther King Jr. had that he set in motion so long ago that we're still trying to fulfill today. Yeah. Huh. Do we haven't done this yet, but do you think it would be okay to uh, end this podcast on a quick prayer? Go for it, Evan. All right, let's do it. God, we thank you for just another opportunity to learn about you and your willingness to call us into God-sized goals that are bigger than ourselves, God. We thank you for the opportunity to uh, to be a part of that with other people. Uh, we thank you for the blessings that you've given to us, whether it be skills and abilities or or, or materials that we can use to put towards um, service to your goals. And God, we thank you most of all for who you are, for being a part of our lives, for walking with us, and, and for speaking to us. God, we want to accomplish what you have set out for us to do. So we love you. Be with us this week. Be with our country. Be with our leaders uh, as we move into a transition as well there. God, we love you, we praise you, and in in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Hey, see you next time on the fire pit. See ya.